With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. West Cork Beard Company make beard oil and beard balm for a strong, healthy, great looking beard handmade from all natural ingredients in Clonakilty, West Cork check out their YouTube channel for beard care tips and advice or catch them online at westcorkbeardcompany.ie Faguna's everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you for match highlights, interviews and the best Arsenal videos and podcasts Download the free Gunners app now from the App Store and Google Play. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be around the world. Uh, that's normally Craig who says that, but we are well into our third podcast now for the Team Talk. Uh, I am your host tonight, Dan Potts, and it is the same old Arsenal Team Talk, and we're going to be talking about Liverpool. And the only reason that we're going to be doing this a little bit early is because I am going away for a couple of days, so I'm not about for the Friday evening. Joining me back by popular demand this week, had a load of you saying how much you love the guy. Manny, Manny, how are you, bro? Um, I'm good, mate. I'm doing good, man. It's surviving, surviving. It's been a long day. Yeah, man. Listen, <laughs> we're nearly there at the end of the week. We are nearly there. And also joining us, and thank you for joining us, is a good friend of mine, Liverpool fan, Grizz. Grizz, how you doing, bro? What's happening, man? Absolute pleasure, man. No need to thank me, man. We're family. Oh, bless you. Thank you very much, man. It's an absolute pleasure to have you off. And joining you, lead judges is normally Craig's ant to his deck, but the ant to my deck is Mr. Graham Brooks. Graham, how you doing, bro? Oh, very well, mate. How are you? I'm very well, man, and I'm loving this, man. I'm, I'm, I'm getting into this now, Graham. I think you're getting, we're getting into it week by week, and hopefully we're getting better and better, man. So let's see how it goes. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it tonight because obviously uh, we've got obviously a lot to talk about, a lot to cram in, and uh, obviously, you know, we've won our last two games against Liverpool. So uh, I think Grizz is going to be telling us... Uh, how they're going to beat us uh, at Anfield next week. I think they'll be up for revenge, mate. So let's uh, let's get into it and uh, dissect what's going to happen. Well, we are going to get into it. And uh, I know Grizz has got literally 45 minutes until his team kicks off. So I want to get into the Liverpool things. We're going to talk about Leicester and West Ham a little bit later on. But first of all, we're going to touch on some transfer business. Now, we've been having some debates on Twitter and been going into meltdown about Arsenal's lack of activity in the transfer market. But... Manny, I'm going to come to you first on this. Should we be worried that we have two weeks left? We are linked only really with two players that we've been linked with for, it seems like, forever now. But should we be worried or is there still enough time to get these two guys? And the two guys I'm talking about, I'm going to bring up on the screen. The first guy is Thomas Party. Now, we have been linked with this guy for so, so long. He has a release clause of 45 million. There is rumours that, to Lucas Torreira is heavily linked to be going to Atletico Madrid. So that one, to me, sounds like it is not over yet. And the other one, which excites me greatly, 
is Hosomawa. Now, I believe this player is going to be one of the one of the best players around. I love the guy. I think he's a beautiful footballer. And I think that when I watched him against Man City, if anybody does not know much about him, go back and watch that game in the Champions League. Man City, Leon, he was fantastic. But Manny, my question is this. Is it too unrealistic to think that we can get these two players in the door in the next two weeks, Manny? Unrealistic... No, because I believe in optimism, but uh, it's going to be a difficult one because you know the position that we're in. We're not stacked with money. You know, we have to uh, we have to get rid of Deadwood in order to even have that conversation. So do I believe it could happen? It all depends on who gets out of the door, man. And it's a, it's a tragedy that we've been put in this position, but it is also a wake-up call that we have done terrible business in the past. And what you do in the past, you know, it comes back to bite you in the future. So we can't complain, you know, that we're not getting signings in, but we put ourselves in this position. So we just have to deal with it. Yeah, listen, I'm, I'm totally with you. And I think that we're trying to get rid of these players and we're still talking about players that even Gazidis and Arsene Wenger bought through the door and people are saying today on Twitter, it's Kroenke, Kroenke needs to give us money, Kroenke needs to give us money. Listen, we need to get rid of these players, but it is very hard to do that because they're on ridiculous wages. And that, to me, is all down to Arsene Wenger and Ivan Gazidis. Now, Grizz, I'm going to bring you in on this one because I know you're a Liverpool fan, but from a Liverpool point of view, I know you're a massive fan of Hossamawa. I think you're a, a huge fan, you've told me. But buying Thomas Partey and Hossamawa for Arsenal, does that make, from a Liverpool point of view, you look at Arsenal and think, OK, they're serious now, or is this just two players that we're just going to be giving to the squad, but we're still too short? How, how does you, you feel about this? It definitely makes you serious. If you get these two players, and I've said it, you know, we spoke a couple of weeks ago, well, about four weeks ago now, something yeah. like that, wasn't it? When you was first linked. And I said, if you get this Hossamoa guy, I mean, I start, I'm going to be absolutely, I'm going to say, I'm going to be bitter. I'm going to be so bitter. I'm going to be so jealous if you get Hossamoa. I still think Partey is the more crucial for you guys, just from an outside opinion. Obviously, you know your club better than me. But to an outsider, I think Partey physicality, his energy, his drive is what you lack. I know El Nene's been like a new player and Xhaka looks like, you know, Emmanuel Petit reincarnated. But, but, <laughs> but, uh, but Thomas Partey is what you need from the outside. Hosomawa is a playmaker. He can dig in and everything. But if you used to, if you, if you get to, if you manage to get them two over the line, I tell you what, man, you guys are serious. I tell you, because I think you're, Serious anyway, I've been picking up Arsenal. For all your listeners and viewers that don't know, I'm not one of these Liverpool fans that sort of hates Arsenal or anything like that. I think, you know, I've always I've always loved since Wenger went over there. I've always loved Arsenal. And my son's actually an Arsenal fan, but keep that quiet for now. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, um, if you guys get managed to get either one, either one of those two over the line, I think you're very serious for top four this season. I hope so. I think it will certainly give us a chance of trying to cement that top four position, which ultimately, well, essentially, that's what we want. We just want to be realistic and try and push for that top four. Graham, I know that you're a fan of both players and you've got some stats for us. So what would it mean getting Thomas Partey and Arsene Moir for Arsenal, Graham? I think it'd be massive, Dan. Absolutely massive. I think Partey is the physical midfield enforcer that we've always needed, mate. And probably, as Grizz said, he's more important than uh, Hassan Mouar. Um I mean, last season in uh, for Atletico Madrid, his numbers were absolutely outstanding. He's got the ability to transition defence into attack with progressive line-breaking passes. He understands that position so well, transition from defence into attack. Uh, and that's what I like about him. And he's physical and he's powerful. Uh, and he'd add great protection to our back four. His numbers last year... He averaged a team-high 8.53 per game passes into the final third in La Liga. He was the most prolific ball winner, 7.86 balls won per game last year in La Liga. Wow. He completed second-most take-ons, over two per game. He dribbled past an opponent 57 times during the season at an 89% success rate, the highest among 348 players in the division to attempt over 50 take-ons. Those are incredible numbers, aren't they, Dan? And I think... Well, it's ridiculous. 
yeah, so and so he he would be absolutely a tremendous acquisition, and he's what the team desperately needs. I think we all agree that Hassan Mouar, four goals, eight assists uh, in league earned last year for Leon, but it was in the Champions League. I think he really uh, got noticed, um, it, particularly in that game against Man City. He was second to Memphis Depay last year in the Champions League for Leon for chances created by a Leon player. Eleven uh, chances created in the competition, sixteen was by Memphis Depay. He completed 35 take-ons, the highest number for Leon in the Champions League. And Lionel Messi, the great Lionel Messi, said of him that he is calm with the ball and he's got excellent technique. That's from Lionel Messi. So wow. this guy is a serious serious baller, mate. And you can't get a bigger compliment two, than that, can you? <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. So if we got... These well, see, players, Lionel Messi, it, you see Lionel Messi picking him up or me picking him up, so yeah. <laughs> so it would be it would be massive, Dan. I mean, those those two players, uh, and I think what Arsenal have done is is that they've obviously got their list drawn up. They are their Hussein uh, Mouar is Arteta's number one target. Party is what they've always wanted as well. But I think you've seen today with the links to Jorginho and the guy from Roma is it Diawara? Uh, and I think they've got a, a, like a shopping list. We've always said you have a number one choice and then you have a number two choice. So I think that Arsenal are looking to get these deals over the line. Uh, but they've got like backup choices if they don't get what they want. The problem they've got, as you know, is that we've got these players on high wages. I mean, Torreira has been linked with Atletico Madrid. Um, apparently now Italian clubs are interested in him. Uh, there's talk of possibly a loan deal or an obligation to buy. But the important thing for Arsenal is to get his wages off the books. And it'd be the same with other players. But the trouble is people, as you said, Dan, people like uh, Klazanak and Mustafi are on something ridiculous wages, something like 90 grand a week. And as you said, we've got Gazidis and Wenger to thank for that. And Liverpool, I have to say, are the epitome of how to do transfer business. The way oh, that absolutely. they've restructured their club, the way that they've uh, sold players, made money and reinvested it into the team, I think is the example we need to follow. So, And uh, I think they've done that magnificently over the last few years, and that's why they are where they are. Well, listen, I totally agree. And Manny, I'm going to bring you in on this point because me and you talk, I'd say daily pretty much, about how jealous we are of Liverpool's transfer business. And it's not just who they bring in, it's who they sell, how they have managed to get some of the money for some of their players that I would say aren't even proven. But we're struggling to get rid of people that have won the World Cup. So talk to me about <laughs> that, Manny, because I know that you've got a, a, a real kind of passion of this. And my other question to you after you've spoken about Liverpool is what you make of this Torreira, uh, sorry, Torreira, um, Guendouzi and Jorginho swap, man. So there's two questions for you there, man. Um, am I envious of how Liverpool did business? Of course, because they've maximised, you know, and got a profit for awful footballers, right? Footballers like, you know, Benteke and then, you know, Sacco and, and they managed to get almost 20 mil for Solanke. The, the, list, the list is endless. Meanwhile, we're being told that Players who are starting for us are good enough, yet other clubs won't come near us for them. So it it, it shows, you know, the terrible business that we did. We, we were bent over by a lot of football clubs, right? And agents as well. Because when you sit here and you look at, you know, the wages, you know, at this club and you realise that we are, you know, at the top in Europe, not in, like, not in the Premier League, but in Europe as well, that we are amongst the top wage-wise. And then you look at the squad, it doesn't correlate. None, none of this makes sense. Hence why we're stuck with them. You know, you hear the you hear the common noise that, you know, I'm happy, I want to stay and fight for my place. That means that nobody else wants you and I'm going to stay because I'm comfortable with my wages. That's all that means. So if Liverpool can get rid of Benteke for 30 million, you can't tell me that we can't get rid of some of the players that we have for more. But we can't because we put them on higher wages. Like I've said, this is the mistakes that we've made. We're still paying for them, but we can't complain because this is what we did to ourselves. And in terms of Guendouzi and, and, and Jorginho, hell no, 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 no. I don't like Jorginho. I don't like anything he represents. I still don't think the guy is, is, you know, good enough for the Premier League. He doesn't bring anything different to our midfield. We already have a Jorginho, you know, in Xhaka. Why would we need another one? And replacing him with a player who's got a higher ceiling than him. No, no thanks. You can keep him. <laughs> Fair play. Um, Graham, let's bring you in on that one. I heard it today on the way home on TalkSport. Gwen Doozy for Jorginho. I, I, who gets the better deal there, Graham? Oh, um, that's a good question, isn't it? Um, one thing I will say, first of all, is I think that I don't want to sort of like uh, 
dampen Manny too much further, but I think that uh, Arteta was at Man City when he when they tried to buy Jorginho, and that yeah. that's caused a lot of bad blood between Man City and Chelsea. Uh, so obviously, I think Arteta likes him. Uh, now, where would he sit in that midfield? Probably Jacka sitting deeper, and Jorginho more further forward. The problem I've got with Jorginho, he's got no legs. So basically, um, he offered we'd have to change our style to sort Jorginho, and I'm not so sure. I agree with Manny. I don't think he would bring what we need to our midfield. Um, uh, who's got a better deal out of that? Well, Guendouzi has got more potential, I think, uh, long-term, but his attitude's wrong. Uh, to be honest with you, I've lost faith in Guendouzi. Uh, I, w- I would like to see him sold, I'll be honest with you, even though he's got, you know, we've said he's got potential. Uh, who's, who get the better deal? Probably Arsenal, because Jorginho probably is the better footballer at the moment. But obviously, Guendouzi in the long term could become a better footballer. So I can't answer the question more than that. But to be honest yeah. with you, I think Guendouzi's attitude, I think, don't think Arteta likes. I, I think he's going to be on the peripheral this season. But he clearly likes Jorginho. And uh, I think he's lining him up as a possibility. Well, listen, I hope we get Thomas Partey and Jose Mouar instead of Jorginho and a uh, a kind of replacement for Jose Mouar. Now, I hear rumours that the Jose Mouar deal to Arsenal is done. Obviously, I've made that quite public and told people that the only rumour I'm hearing that could kind of defeat that is that there is another Champions League club that would l- like Jose Mouar. So hopefully, um, if I've been told reliably that it's done, he won't be tempted. Uh, but we shall see. Anything can happen in football. Damn. Go on, Dan. Go on, Graham. Can I just on, come Graham. in there while we're talking about uh, Hassan Moir? Uh, the Leon yeah, president, sure. the Leon president, has come out and said today that financially Arsenal are like everyone else in a tricky spot, and Hussam could say to himself, "The best thing could be to stay with us." So I think he's trying to talk up the price. That's of that's what I. Yeah, and, and I think it's all about money. I, I think it's all about money. They've got they've got a habit of selling. They just want to get the right price for him. Spot on, Chris. Go on, Chris. Now yeah. we've got loads of dealings with Leon. Uh, he's the king of sort of putting the price up. He's a he's a seller. He just wants to sell at his price. He's a he's a mean man to sort of deal with. But if you manage to get that, that look, I'll say it. Even though we've got managed to buy Tiago, if you manage to get Hasamoa, it'll be the signing of the season. I'm telling you now. Wow, that's great. Signing of you the know season. What? Do you know what I think Thiago is? So do you know what if we get our Samoa, let's see what happens. Manny, you've got you've got quite a lot of info about this Leon guy. Uh mm-hmm. for me, Edu has got a great relationship with Janino. Okay, that's a fact. Arteta's got a lot of links with his agents, who is the agent of Hosamoa. So there's a lot of an advantage point from Arsenal's point of view there. But you know, like I do, and we've spoken about this, this Leon guy does not muck around. Oh, Jean-Michel Alas, he's horrible. He's horrible to deal with. If you you He's horrible. He's a tough negotiator. To be honest with you, I'd love him at Arsenal. To be honest, man, because you know you're gonna get you're gonna get your money's worth with that dude. It's it's he's gonna play these games. You know he's gonna make it hard. He's gonna make it difficult. The ball is in our court. You come to Leon with an offer that he can't refuse. He will be sold. It's the same thing with Lacazette. You just have to be serious. In your negotiations, you can't go there and expect him to, you know, drop the price because we've come to the last week of the season. No, no, no. You need to come correct. And I agree with that. So we come correct with the right deal. We get the player. So the onus is on us. Yeah, I think it's a great shout. And listen, if we are serious about both players, we need to do what is best to get them both through the door. Because like Grizz says, I honestly am excited if we get both these players. Grizz, you're with us for another just under half hour. I want to get into Liverpool. I'm going to share the team that you believe it's going to be, mate. And I want you to just talk about what's been happening, particularly with Fabinho at the back and in Thiago coming into your midfield. So let me just share this screen, man, because I did have the team up that you thought it was going to be. Um, Because it is going to get kind of interesting in midfield, in my opinion. I don't know if you can see that team. Is that is that come up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has. yeah, that's fine, yeah. Talk to me about this team then, Grizz, because this is going to be an interesting game um, on Monday night. Yeah, well, the only sort of debating point in terms of the lineup will be uh, the fitness of our captain, Henderson. So if Henderson sort of uh, does make it, then I expect sort of um, Ronaldo to be sort of left out of the team. Uh, but it's 50-50 at the moment. I don't think he will be risked. Um, with with the Fabinho as centre-back, it's quite straightforward. Our other two centre-backs are injured. Um, Matip's out for a month or so. Won't be back until the international break. And 
Gomez is touch and go for Monday. He's supposed to be starting training tomorrow. So it's touch and go. Even if he's touch and go, I've got a feeling um, after the performance Fabinho put up against um, um, our apparent rivals uh, for the title of this, this season, Chelsea on Sunday, I think he probably keeps keeps his shirt, in my opinion. Um, you know, many people were worried about Fabinho playing centre-back, but I think he, he I think it suits him down to the ground. People forget that he was an actual defender at Monaco. He started his career off as a defender, as a right-back, and then he was sort of put into midfield, even then as a defensive midfielder. So, you know, defence is second nature to him. Listen, I'm not going to lie. I thought Fabinho was probably one of your best players against Chelsea. I was really, really impressed with him. I really was. But I'm going to put up this question here for you, Grizz, because shout out to Trev, by the way. Thanks for watching, Trev. Top man is Trev. He says, Grizz, is Virgil van Dijk a weakness at the moment? And to be fair, that sounds a madness comment for his performances over the last season. But the last couple, I haven't been so confident myself. So what do you make of that, Grizz? Yeah, no, it's fair comment in terms of his focus some people have said his focus hasn't been there. He's been sort of nonchalant, you know. But, but people forget that's how he plays. And all it needed was sort of to get the rust out of his game. He'll always have that arrogance, that aura, that nonchalance about him. You know, when it comes off, he looks immaculate. When it, when it messes up like he did against Leeds, sort of it can look ugly. But again, a lot of Liverpool fans were slightly worried as well, especially with the makeshift defence, uh, makeshift centre-back alongside him. But I'll tell you what, he was back to his ultimate best against Chelsea. I don't know if you saw the whole game, but we, even before the 10 men, we just didn't let them breathe. And uh, he was Are barking out orders. He was back to his commanding best. And that's why um, I'm not too worried about him because he's one of those captains. He's one of those characters that knows when to raise it and say what we want. It's only human nature. We did die. You know, we did after we secured the title, we did have lapses in concentration. We weren't our usual focus self, but nothing like a game against Leeds, like in the opening game where they gave us a terrible time to refocus. It didn't cost us. We got away with the win. It wasn't a very brilliant performance. But now with but the Chelsea game, I said it all week. If we don't focus, they will hurt us because it's the hipsters team, isn't it? It's the name on everyone's lips, Chelsea, Chelsea. But then we just <laughs> put them to the sword. We told him, like, take a seat. You're not ready for us yet. And I think he's, he's back to his best now. So I wouldn't say he's a weakness right now, no. Fair enough. And I have to bring up what you just said there at the end. It was literally like, you know, to come up and Havertz who and Werner who. It really was. I watched the whole game and I thought you dominated from start to finish. And as soon as it was Kepa's howler and going down to 10 men, I thought there's only one team that's ever going to be coming out of this, even with them still on the pitch. Manny, I'll bring you in because I know you watched the game. This Liverpool side played very, very well. Uh, and I'm not going to lie, bro. If they play like that against us, it could be a, a very difficult time for us. What do you make of uh, Liverpool? Uh, yeah, I didn't watch the game against Chelsea. I'm not going to lie. Oh, sorry, uh, man. I thought you did. <laughs> no, I didn't because I knew what was going to happen. But to be honest with you, Potts, uh, the time to be worried about Liverpool is done because, you know, we've played them, we've beaten them. You know, they're way ahead of us. So worrying about what Liverpool are doing is, is is not important. We can actually go to Anfield and be a bit more relaxed and settle in our shape and get them to try to break us down and maybe hit them on the break. So the time for me to be worried about this fixture is when we're actually competing with them. Right now, we're just trying to catch them up. So it's a case of can we beat you and can we take that into you know the next fixture, the next fixture, and then the you know the following season. That's the way I see it. Yeah, I think that's a fair comment as well. We are miles away from an on paper, and the way they play football, you know, there's been two teams I've enjoyed watching over the last two seasons: Liverpool and Bayern Munich. And one of the main reasons was because of Thiago, and now they've got Thiago as well. It's like this has for me giving them a back-to-back title. Graham, um, what do you make of the Thiago signing? Because for me, I just think that's made them even stronger. I really do. Yeah, I 100% agree with Dan. He's a fantastic player uh, and he gives their midfield uh, something extra, doesn't he? Um, I think it means that they... I've always thought with Liverpool, and I'm not disrespecting Liverpool here because I think they are the best team in the league. They're ahead of Man City now. I think what Klopp's done at uh, Liverpool was absolutely fantastic uh, and they are a long way ahead of us. We know that. Although we beat them in the Community Shield, uh, albeit on penalties, and we beat them in, at the Emirates in that league game, they dominated the games in terms of possession and it was um, 
you know, and I, I think our record at Anfield isn't very good. Uh, and I think what Thiago is going to bring to their midfield is more energy, but more technical ability. He's a very good technical player. So I think I've always felt with Liverpool, their midfield is full of energy, trying to get that ball forward as quickly as possible to the forwards uh, in transition and use their pace. I think he gives them another dimension. And I think what they bought him for, Dan, is I think one thing Liverpool had a problem with, if they have had any problems over the last year, is that when teams sit really deep uh, in low blocks with eight or nine players behind the ball, he just wants that something extra that's going to unlock the door. Uh, if 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 they can't get the ball transition quickly up to the forwards, and I think he offers them that, I think he's a, a very talented and a great player, and a tremendous acquisition for Liverpool. I think he is the uh, signing of the summer so far. He adds yeah, that something I, to their team, then. I have to totally one hundred percent agree. And Grizz, I know that when we spoke a few weeks back before you signed him, you were really excited, and it was you were buzzing for it. So, as far as you're concerned, is this just what you needed, or is it just going to add some strength in depth now? Yeah, um, Graham Spahn. Um, if there was a weakness or sort of somewhere where you can say Liverpool are lacking, it was sort of creativity in midfield. Well, I think I think by listening to all of you lot, we're all Thiago fans. Forget that he's come to Liverpool. Before Liverpool, everyone who likes football will enjoy Thiago. And he just he's just a different level. He's an elite footballer. He's Mr. Creativity. Um the games against Arsenal were probably our two most difficult games in terms of, I mean, I know the first game we'd won the title when we like literally gave you two goals, but the actual setup of Arsenal really troubled us in terms of actually making open, clear-cut chances. And maybe that was not particularly, not just, I'm not saying just that game, but sort of that type of game would have sort of played into sort of Klopp and coaches' heads like, look, because Arteta's game plan was was brilliant. I said it to you when we done when we done the podcast together that in terms of blocking our fullbacks and our doubling up on our fullbacks and our wingers and then just leaving the three in midfield to have space to keep passing it sideways, it worked a treat. The and coming up to sort of talking about the, the next Monday's game, I think that will be a slight problem now for if they do the same tactics because if you give Tiago time now and this is the extra. This is what we bought him for, for have the extra weapon in our armory. Because if you give Thiago time, it's a total different ball game to giving Gini Wijnaldum time. Do you know what I mean? Thiago will find a pass with his eyes closed, everything, man. So he's he's an extra weapon in our armory. Um, and it just, I think he'll just elevate the other players around him. It's mad saying it, but, and a lot of Liverpool fans have been saying it, we've been having discussions on, on, on our podcast and everything as well. But it's, I think it's fair to say that Thiago is probably the biggest name signing we've ever made. And what I mean by that is he's the complete footballer at his peak age, won everything, and he's wanted to come to Liverpool. You know, for less money than what PSG were giving him, for what Chelsea were giving him, what United were giving him. And that's a massive, massive statement. And that's literally all down to Jurgen Klopp. So as a Liverpool fan, it's mad exciting to see him on top of the front three that we've got that front three that you guys <laughs> unfortunately know about, you know, more than more than others. Do you know what I mean? But as I said, and I've been saying it all week, this, you know, normally Arsenal at home, get the old cigar out, flip-flops, you know, 3-1, 4-1, <laughs> we know, but not this time. And I've been saying it all week, Arsenal have been building, building. Arteta has a game plan, he's a structure, unlike any other manager you've had in the recent years. And um, it's, just, it's just an exciting time to be an Arsenal fan as well. I think it's good. we're in for a cracking match on Monday, to be honest with you. Well, it's interesting you bring the front three up because they have terrorised us for the last few seasons, Grizz. You know it, five ones, five threes, four ones, three nils. You just sit there and just be embarrassed as an Arsenal fan. But there's something about the last couple of games I saw differently. And Graham and uh, Manny and I were talking about it the last couple of weeks about how Arteta's system is now starting to work. And I think with Arteta, what he's done is he's installed belief, but he's found a system that he not necessarily wants to play, because I still believe he wants to play 4-3-3, but he's found a system that works because of the tools he's got. And I think this three at the back situation has really started to work. And we saw it against Man City, Chelsea and Liverpool at the Emirates, because it's getting to the big teams that we have always struggled against when we had Wenger and Emery. And all of a sudden now, it seems to me that we've got, I don't know, some kind of respect when people come to play us now in the big team. So I spoke to you a few weeks ago, Grizz, and you just said, this isn't going to be the same Arsenal that turn up. But 
there's something in the back of my mind that always worries me because I know we've got it in us. And I just hope now that we can go there with the confidence. So what do you make of that statement, Grizz, that we have we are now respected more? Would you believe that to be true because of Mikel Arteta? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, look, banter aside, if anyone says otherwise, they're being foolish, they're being stupid. It's visible. The difference in, in sort of the setup, the difference in the players and what the biggest criticism most fans had of Arsenal was the weak mentality. You know when Arsenal go 1-0 down and get a bit of bullying, a few tackles here and there, you don't want to know. And it's going to end up 2-3-0, right? Any tough away game, Arsenal, you know, put money on the other team. It's totally different under Arteta. He's instilled that mentality. From what I can see, from what I can, from the outside, I can definitely see a shift in mentality in Arsenal. And that's why I, I was more worried about the Arsenal game than the Chelsea game. I knew, you know, Chelsea may... Well, I, to be honest with you, I thought Chelsea might try to come at us and sort of they've got Havertz and Werner now. They might go toe-to-toe. It turns out he shits himself, right, Lampard? But that's that's up to him, right? <laughs> but but Arsenal, the, the, the what I've seen at Arsenal and, and Arte, especially under Arteta, he's smart. He knows who to go toe to toe with, who not to go toe to toe with. Before all your previous managers have come out trying to play football from the back and this and that against us, you don't do that against us. We'll, we'll catch you and we'll, and we'll murder you. But this team under Arsenal. And, and you've seen it in the results and you've seen how many times you've sort of last minute winners or come back and sort of beating City in the, in, in, you know, beating City, beating Liverpool. Uh, these are big results. Do you know what I mean? These are these are confidence results. They, this will give you confidence. I think he's got a very good thing going in terms of changing the players' perception and mentalities. And that's the start. He knows he hasn't got his players in by the way he's sort of going in the transfer market, trying to pull in the midfielders that he's trying to pull in. He knows Aubameyang's his wild card. He knows that's his that's his best card, you know. And he's trying to structure a defence around him to give him the chance that if Aubameyang gets one or two chances, boom, get a goal and we can stick on. And it's worked for him in the big games. Fair play to him. Uh, Grizz, yeah. I, th- I think, Dan, I was just going to say to Grizz, I think he might find we still might try to play out from the back on Monday night, funny enough. I think my take on it, Grizz, is I think, uh, I think Artes has changed the culture at the club. Uh, we are no longer a soft touch, away from Absolutely. home particularly. And I'll tell you how he's done it. It's, it's all about off the ball. He's demanding work rate, pressing from the front, and players are bought into that philosophy. And there's a collective energy in the team there that uh, they want to work for each other off the ball. That's the big change I think he's instilled into the team. There's a change of culture in the club. But I think in answer to your question, I understand what you're saying. And I will touch on... Later, when we uh, talk about, I think, the best way for Arsenal to play in this game, um, there's a collective energy about the team now. Uh, but make no mistake, Grizz, you are a long way ahead of us. Our record at Anfield isn't great, and this will see how where we are. We've played you at home at the Emirates. Oh, absolutely great. Com- yeah, absolutely great. Anfield, I mean, Anfield, there'll be no crowd at Anfield. I admit there'll be no crowd, but yeah. Liverpool at Anfield is a real test. And we're, that, we'll see how far where we, we are. Well, I've been chatting to Arsenal Arsenal mates all week and, and they've been throwing, throwing the, the record of the last two games. And I said to them, look, enjoy it. Well done. You beat us in the league and you won, and you won the charity shield, whatever, on the penalty shootout. But this will show you how far your team's come. Yeah, I agree. Because yeah. this is when we're serious. And I know yeah. it's, it's easy for me to say we weren't serious in the charity shield or whatever, you know, because we lost. But I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely telling you, we weren't serious. This is the test. And this will show you how far you come. And that's why I'm not, I'm confident because we're Liverpool and we're champions and we've got good record. But I also totally aware of how much Arsenal have improved and how much he sort of has instilled, as you said, the right mentality. And getting rid of the likes of Gunduzi and whatnot, this I think is fantastic. I think you guys should be absolutely applauding the manager in terms of he knows the type of play he wants, no messing about. Anyone who doesn't want to, play up to his rules and his regulations is out of the door. And I think he's created that sort of mentality amongst everyone. Like he had a bit of hoo-ha with David Luiz, sorted behind closed doors. David Luiz comes out like a new man. Do you know what I mean? Other youngsters, you know, Maitland-Niles wants to leave, but no, he realises the project. You know, he sees the project makes sense, wants to stay. From an Arsenal point of view, it's definitely going in the right direction. But this will be your 
litmus test. This will be your ultimate test against us because now we're proper psyched up for the title. We were a bit, uh, you know, everyone was saying, oh, Liverpool don't look the same. But, you know, the Chelsea game, trust me, we look the same. Whoever didn't watch it, I know Manny says he didn't watch it, but we proper look solid again. I agree. I watched the whole game and thought absolutely spot on. Grease, you're getting a lot of love in the comments in the live chat, man. I heard you called a lot of things, but no one's ever called me. Are you a, un a unicorn before? But there you go. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> then you Bloody found hell. a unicorn. <laughs> I'm just trying to be extra, extra careful here because normally I'm not like this. Dan knows. <laughs> you've also got an identical beard to Danny from Burkamp Wonderland podcast thanks for watching Danny lovely. there we go that's a compliment as well because Danny's got a lovely beard yeah normally um, I get called being a wolf uh, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, I'll take anything at the moment oh mate absolutely uh, Grizz I'm going to let you go in a couple of minutes because I know you've got a big game you want to watch um, but I just want two things before you do go I want you to pick an Arsenal player that you would love to uh, select to play into Liverpool's team. And I want you to give me a score prediction for Monday's night's game. Um, so the obvious ones about me, Yank, you yep. know, it's clear as daylight, but but I'm going to surprise a few people and I'm going to say Kieran Tierney. Is it Kieran, first name? Kieran Tierney, yeah. When you was linked with him, I was telling my mates and, and I was telling my son, like, son, you've got to be excited. He goes, yeah, is he good? And he was like, and I was like, sharing my knowledge with him. And I said, if you can keep him fit, he's going to be an outstanding footballer for you. He's got it all. He's, he's Robbo part two. I know you guys have been playing him sort of as a left-sided centre-back, you know, but it just shows you the class of the boy that he's fitted in there. He's actually a bloody brilliant attacking left-back in an orthodox 4-4-2. Um, so I just I just love the kid. Aubameyang's the easy answer. Everyone wants a Bamiyang. A Bamiyang gets into every team. You know, let's not be around the bush, right? Uh, you make space for a Bamiyang, yeah? But Tierney, you've got an absolute gem. Obviously, he's got the slight injury issues, whatever. But if he stays fit, man, that's one player I would have loved at Liverpool, Kieran Tierney. As far as the score goes, <laughs> you put me on the spot now. I've been giving the Arsenal a big build-up and now I'm going to... Slap you with a free nil. Nah, I think I think <laughs> I, 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 I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be very tight. I think we're going to look to be. I don't think we're going to go gung ho at you. I think we're going to have learned. Klopp's always learning. Klopp never makes the same mistake two or three times. Do you know what I mean? So I think we're going to look to keep a clean sheet against you first and foremost. I know that sounds like whoa. Like I'm not saying we're going to go defensive against you. I'm just going to say we're going to have our wits about you about us, like in terms of getting caught on the break like we have in, in recent games against you a lot. I'm going to go 2-0 Liverpool. A repeat of Chelsea then, a repeat of the Chelsea game. 2-0. Yeah, yeah. looking solid again. Unfortunately for you guys, we've just turned the corner. You know, if you caught us maybe in the first game like Leeds, it could have been a, a different story, but we look really focused again. Fair enough. We have a few Liverpool uh, fans in the live chat saying they like they take Lacazette after Aubameyang. They would take Saka. Someone says they would like Saka. Yeah, Saka's a good fantastic, player. Fantastic, fantastic player. Fantastic player. You you've picked my two favourite players, bro. Uh, Aubameyang and Kieran Tierney. They are my two favourite players, and I think that they are fantastic. So um, I would respect you for for both picking that. Before you do go, I'm going to ask Graham and Manny for their predictions for the Monday night game, uh, and then we'll let you go and watch Liverpool lose to Lincoln, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Graham, Graham, we'll start with you, man. What do you reckon the score is going to be on Monday? Um, you, you know me, I'm a, I'm a super optimist. Uh, I think for us to have any chance to win this game, uh, Dan, we've got to score first. If we score first and then we can sort of set out our stall, like we did in the uh, Community Shield, I think we've got a chance. And I know we came back from one goal down at uh, the Emirates in the league game at the back end of last season. But I think Liverpool... Had won the league by then, and, and I, I, I think that was, you know, I, I think that was part of the factor that I'm not saying they wanted to lose the game, but um, players mentally had won the league, and and they do switch off slightly, so that they're on holiday a game. bit, yeah, yeah, a little <laughs> bit. So, so I think for us to get anything out of this game, we've got to score first, uh, and I think when we played there last year, we defended well for 40 minutes, we conceded right on a half time. David Louise, who I think will come back into the team on Monday night managed to uh, give away a penalty uh, and uh, 
made another error and we lost the game 3-1, didn't we, with a late goal. I think this is a massive test for us. I do think Liverpool are too strong. I think Grizz is probably right. And I'm going to have to say, I think Liverpool will win the game. Um, I think I'm going to be optimistic. My head is obviously wanting a draw. Uh, my heart says a draw, but my head realistically says I think it'll be a 2-0 to Liverpool. OK, uh, I'm going to kind of half agree with both of you, but I think we'll score. So I think we're going to lose this game narrowly. I don't think it's going to be a four or five one. No. But I do think I do think Liverpool are going to are going to win two one. So uh, Manny, let's come to you. I think two one. The boys think two nil. Manny, what do you reckon the score is going to be, bro? Two one. Two one to them. Yeah, listen, it's going to be a, a real difficult one for us, I think. Um, Grizz. Mate, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. It's been an absolute pleasure and I'd love to get you on again for the reverse fixture. And good luck on Monday. Good luck for the rest of the season. But I hope you don't win, obviously. <laughs> of course, man. Not even an issue, man. Anytime. Thank you very much, guys. Lovely speaking to you. Hope to catch you soon. Good luck in the rest of the season, apart from the two games against us, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Grizz. You take Cheers, it easy, nice man. One, and good luck tonight. Take Cheers, care, man. Bye-bye. Bye, Bye-bye. Bye, mate. Grizz there. Please go and follow him on Twitter. Really appreciate him coming on. Uh, Graham, let's get down to business because we want to try and win this game. We want to try and pick a a kind of draw even. How are we going to set up against uh, this Liverpool side, do you think? And, and how are we going to try and nick up at least a point? I think he'll go with basically the same formation that he's been using all season. Uh, Dan, I think we'll stick to the 3-4-3. Three, three. I think the there will be one change to the team that, on Monday night. I think he'll... I think David Luiz will come in for holding. So I think he'll go with uh, Leno, the goalkeeper. Be interesting to see. I think Luiz will probably play central. So I think that's going to push Gabriel to the right, even though he's left-footed. Because so I think uh, Kieran Tierney, we talked about this, me and you today, didn't we? We think he's going to be fit. I think he was taken out of the West Ham game as a precaution with the hip injury. Uh, I think he's close to being fit for Monday. So I think the back three will probably be Gabriel, Luiz and Tierney. I think he'll play wing-backs. I think it'll be uh, better in on the right. And I think Maitland-Niles will come back into the team in place of Saka. I think, and you'll have uh, Xhaka and Sabias in central midfield in the pivot. The reason why I think uh, Maitland-Niles come back in to offer us a bit more structure and shape and defensive solidity, uh, I think you might see this season Maitland-Niles and Saka sort of like rotating. When we're at home, Saka plays for his more creativity and ability to get forward and line-breaking passes and uh, make the Niles plays in the away games. And then up front, of course, I think it will still be William, Lacazette and Aubameyang. So that will be my 11. Just the one change from the... Well, there'll be two changes, won't there? Tierney coming back in for Kalazanak um, and uh, I think um, Louise coming in for holding. I think that'll be the changes to the side. Fair play. Uh, Manny, let's bring you in, man, because this is going to be a tough game. We know it is. Uh, are you with Graham there? Do you think that's how we'll line up? And are you expecting it to be a similar performance to the kind of cup games as such? Because we can seem to get up for these big games and this would be seen as a huge game, wouldn't it? It is a huge game. Uh, I think Arteta will probably drill it into the players. It's like, you know, he'll want them to be at ease. He'll want them to be relaxed and go out there and express themselves and show Liverpool what we're all about. Um, don't want to see Kalasnak in this game. Um, awful footballer. Um, Tierney will come back in. Uh, David Luiz will come back in. I think it'll be David Luiz, Gabriel and uh, uh, Tierney, left centre-back. I think Maitland-Niles will come in there because, you know, like Graham says, he plays away games and he has a habit of, you know, clamping down, you know, big players. We've seen it with Zaha. You know, we've seen it with Martial. We've seen it with Traore. We saw it in the cup final and semi-final. Um, Bellerin will come back in. Uh, same from three. It'll be Sabios and Shaka. So it, it's, it's you know, we know how to play the system. I think the players understand their roles. The players know what they're doing. We know that, you know, people in, in the comments are saying that Lacazette will be put on uh, on Tiago. I do see that happening. I do see that happening yeah, to an extent. I see that, um, yeah. And I do see, you know, Maitland-Niles being our trump card because when he comes into midfield, he's aggressive. He's a runner. They're going to have to follow him back there. So we do have some trump cards as well. And if Liverpool, you know, sleep on us, we will punish them. So, uh, mm. yeah. Fair I, one, think, I think for me, oh, Dan, I think for me, Dan, the, the key is our work rate and our pressing. 
Uh, I think okay. that's the way that we beat them at the Emirates. I think we've got to literally press out of possession, up high. Uh, and I think our two wide forwards would need to come central to press Liverpool's two centre-backs. To cut out the passing lanes to Trent Alexander and Robinson, that's key. I think whoever said that in the comments is correct. I think Lacazette will come and sit on Thiago to stop him from working uh, the space and getting passes off. And I think it's important that Jack and Sabias press on, press on to their other two central midfielders, Henderson uh, or and Wyabin. Uh, uh, Wyabin and Keita, apparently yeah, Henderson well, may yeah. be injured, but yeah, go on. Oh, is he? Okay. oh, I've lost Graham. Where is he? He's back. Yeah, so and I think our wing backs need to press on to their full backs. And we've got to be aware, I think, of Mane, Dan. Mane's got this habit of shifting out wide into wide areas. And we saw last week the way West Ham exposed us on the right hand side. And I think uh Mane could easily shift out wide and find some space out there uh, and hurt us. Uh so I, I think out of possession we've got to as I say stop them building up their play, nullify them uh, getting out to Trent Alexander and to uh Robertson who are their key players. I think they are their key players. And also Laka sitting on uh, Thiago as well, out of possession. And I think what we're trying to do is, I think if we can get the first goal, then he can sort of like crowd the midfield, stop the passing lane second half, uh, and, um, you know, sit on, on, on a lead. I, I think what we should try and do with Louise back in the team and with Tierney, Dan, yep. we should be looking to sort of go long. You know, sort of right, because Liverpool will play a high line. We know Liverpool like to play a high line. They push their uh, centre-halves up because they're confident that Van Dijk's very good in recoveries. So I think that we should be looking to play that ball early over the top towards Aubameyang and see whether that sort of right gets them thinking about playing uh, not so high up and sit deeper, which uh, I think could be key. Uh, but I think... Um, we saw in the game uh, in the Community Shield the way we play out. We will play out from the back, Dan. We will try and play around their press. Yeah. And we will try and get it up to Lacquer and try and switch the play and, and uh, get a Bamiang in on that on that left-hand side. So the key really is to press well, stop Liverpool playing out, building up with Thiago, and then try and sort of, I think, where we can, go long, push them back, stretch them, and see whether we can sort of like create from that position. I think it's imperative we get the first goal. If they score first and we have to change our structure and our shape, you know, they could hurt us again and put the game to bed. Uh, but I, I think that's the way I would look at it. It's very important that the players continue with this philosophy of working hard, pressing that. And we did it, didn't we? If you think back to the game at the, the Emirates, Dan, uh, yeah. our two goals in that game came through pressing them into mistakes, didn't it? For Nelson yes. and for Lacazette, yeah. And I think... I think Liverpool would have learned from that, um, but I think that's still the way for us to go. They are ahead of us in the times. They've got so much quality in their team, but to give them a game, I think these are the basic non-negotiable principles Arteta wants, work rate and pressing off the ball. And I think we're trying to stretch them uh, in, uh, on the counter. Well, I've been impressed with how Arteta has been setting up and I've been impressed with the high intensity and the pressing. And the last goal against West Ham, for me, that was a pretty poor game. And... Just touching on the West Ham and Leicester before we kind of start to wrap up, Graham. It's all links because it's about Arteta's system. But I just want you to talk me through that goal because I thought for me it was it was the kind of coming together. And that was why I believe Arteta was so happy at the end because it, it kind of had worked. And I think it was so important what you, you were saying about Sabayos and Chaka and how they kind of switched in midfield. Yeah, I, I think that was the key to the second half because... Um... Uh, the way the second half unravelled, uh, uh, West Ham sort of like um, in that second half, I think that they they, they basically, once they got back uh, level at half time, the way the second half played out, that first 20 minutes they were in control, exploiting our right hand side there. And, and uh, uh, Masako, who played as a, a left wing back, uh, uh, him and Cresswell were combining very well down that side and cross after cross was coming into our box. And I think if Antonio had taken one of those chances, we could have lost the game. But I think what Arteta did really well is he recognised the problem. He recognised the problem and he switched Jacker and Sabias over. As I said to you, Sabias was on the, the right. He came over to the left and Jacker was on the left and he came over to the right. 
I mean, that took something away from our build-up probably because Jacker is the build-up player. But Jacker went over, I think, as a defensive measure to, to help out on that right-hand side to try and stop those crosses coming in. And Sobias drifted over to the left. And that, in a way, indirectly led to us winning the game in that eventually, as we've uh, found the mentality to come again that last 15 minutes, Sobias popped up on the left-hand side once he came over onto that side. And he was the one who, when Saka got the ball, Saka was the one who played the pass into Sobias. Who then, uh, and that was a lovely weighted ball. And then he could have shot me a lovely weighted ball for Eddie to win the game. Uh, and so I suppose really, Dan, it was like a smash and grab performance and a very lucky three points. I think Dan Lawless, uh, West Ham fan TV, who come back in, who came on last week, will probably feel very disappointed because West Ham deserved to win that game. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. did not deserve to win it. And what amazed me actually, Dan, was that post-match in his interview, Arteta said that basically... It had been one of the best weeks the team had had in training that he'd seen in his time yeah. at the club before any game. But unfortunately, it seemed once the game started, it was clear that the players had left the good work on the training ground, on the training ground, and they didn't mm. take it into the game. There was too many misplaced passes. Nobody had a first touch. The ball simply did not move quick enough through central midfield uh, with any conviction. And that what that did, well, that encouraged West Ham down right from the start. West Ham saw immediately that Arsenal were not at it, not at it from the off. Uh, and I think West Ham stopped us um, by recognising how we like to build up play. Uh, the connection between the centre-halves and the midfield pivot. I think uh, they squeezed up high, got the passing lanes blocked off. Uh, and when they matched us in formation with that 3-4-3 three, three shape, they were able to sort of like cover the lanes of the pitch. Uh, and with Kola coming in for Tierney, I think that disrupted us in so many ways. It was clear that there was no confidence in the team in passing to him. He had no confidence himself. I think he only played four passes to Saka, our left wing back, in the whole game, whereas Tierney normally averages about 13. So that's that's uh, the difference. Um, and the, the change, that obviously, Saka coming in, I think, Saka was key in the game because he obviously released the pass for Aubameyang for the assist to Laka's goal. And then, obviously, it was his pass, as I said, for the winner. Um, but I was very disappointed, Dan, with our defending for their equaliser. Very disappointed. I'll tell you what really upset me. We didn't manage that game situation very well. Bellerin was attacking up the right-hand side, found himself almost like in the centre-forward position when we lost the ball. So when they sprung through Bowen, when it came down that side, I thought Klazanak has got to stop that cross coming in, Dan. He has to stop the cross. Mm. And I think Holding has to anticipate the cross coming in and try and get across Antonio. Klazanak didn't block the cross. Holding didn't react quick enough and Antonio gets, the, gets his goal. But I think West Ham played really well in that game. And if I was Dan Lawless, I'd be really uh, impressed and encouraged by the way that they played in that game to think that they could take that into further games. Um, I think in central midfield, uh, Jack and Sabias struggled to find any rhythm. I thought William was coming deep a lot because uh, uh, he wasn't getting the ball. Uh, and they were pressing us high. I'll tell you what we should have done, Dan. That game was, we didn't manage that game well enough. That game was calling out for us to play that long ball over the top. When they were pressed up, they were squeezed up high on our blocking off the passing lanes. We should have knocked the ball long over the top early to get Aubameyang in to try and get them thinking about pushing back. And we didn't play that ball. Had Tierney been playing, he could have played that ball. Had Louise been in the team, he could have played that ball. We didn't recognise what the game needed. And as a result of that, we were just too slow in central midfield. West Ham grew in confidence. And to be honest with you, it was a smash and grab. We did not deserve to win that game, Dan. And in the end, it was an ugly win, as we said. But I was very impressed with West Ham on the night. Manny, let me bring you in there because I spoke to you after the game, bro, and it was like, what's going on out there? In, term, in, in parts of that game, it was terrible, not just bad, terrible. And why it was terrible is if you need any uh, kind of recognition as to why we might need Hossam Wah and Thomas Party or reinforcements in midfield, it was because of our poor midfield, I thought, that night. I thought Shaka and Sobios off the ball were terrible, like so bad. And Kalasanak is, I don't even want to go into that guy. He just does not deserve to be on that pitch, in my opinion. So the way that I see it there, is that a worry going forward? What's your kind of opinion there? Because for me, Manny, Chaka and Sabayas, and Elneny, all three of them pour off the ball, in my opinion. It would be a worry 
it's the start of the season, so I'm not too worried about it. You know, there, it's, there's, there's time to actually work on this. My worry is we, we already know how bad, you know, Xhaka is off the ball. You know, it, if you want to be playing in midfield in this day and age, being able to pass a football and being technically sound is not going to be enough. You need to be athletic. You need to be able to go up and down. And we saw the holes. In, we've, we've been seeing the holes in Xhaka's game since he got here. He may be good on the ball, but when you put pressure on him, when you make him go the other way, Granit Xhaka is not the person you want to go that way. And you saw it with West Ham go when him and Kalasana just back off, they back off and you just want somebody oh. to go there and to engage, you know, with Bowen. They, they just let him run until he got into the box. That's when they realised the danger. So I have an issue with that. And there was also an issue with our wingbacks. I, I thought Saka was very underdone in this game. You know, physically, he looked a bit shaky. You know, he needed a few a few more games under his belt. He looked like it was his first game of the season. So there were issues everywhere. There was issues with Leno. There was issues with, you know, stopping crosses coming into the box. I know Gabriel is very good in the air, but constantly pumping them balls into the box just put us under pressure repeatedly. Our passing was off. And I felt that Arteta made a mistake when he took off William. Just having William come off the wing and being that extra man in midfield stopped us from being overrun in certain in certain aspects. Once William came off and Pepe came on, you've given West Ham that impetus to go ahead and overrun us even more in midfield, which they did. Pepe didn't do enough in the game. And just like I said about Saka, when you're having a bad game, it's all about what you can do. Can you influence the game even though you're not having the best of games? And that's exactly what Saka did in two instances. So you take those as positives. But the complete meltdown that came from, from this game is just it's an overreaction because you need to realise that this is a team that is still developing. This is a team that still needs to understand, you know, how to play and you know, how to play the Arteta way. It's the second game of the season. We're going to learn from this. And those these type of bad performances, you take it, you go back, you, you look at it, and you come back and be better. So I think we'll be better than, than we are, than we were against West Ham. It's, it's nothing to really be worried about. Well, listen, yeah, this, is the team that come, this is the team that come eighth and it's added Willian mm. and Gabriel. So it is a bit of a meltdown. It is a bit of an overreaction. Graham, go for it, mate. Yeah, sorry, mate. I was just going to come in and take... Uh, uh, I agree with what Manny said about William coming into midfield. And he did offer some. I think the problem we had on Saturday was our two wing-backs were continually high. Uh, and they were high and there was so much space for West Ham to tra- transition through. And I think that was the issue for me, the way they, they were they were looking so dangerous every time they broke because I thought that the wing-backs, Saka and Bellerin, were always at the same time high, leaving spaces for them to exploit on the counter. Um, I, I, I've got some numbers from the game. You talked about Danny Sabias, uh, His numbers against West Ham. Uh, and I think this was key, actually, because I noticed, I checked the stats after the game, and him and uh, we talked about what... Uh, uh, we need in central midfield. They had 221 passes in that game between them, Sabias and Jacker, and only one creative pass. The creative pass from Sabias to win us the game. So the other 220 passes between our two central midfielders did not create one wow. chance. And that is, so if anything, if any stat tells you what we're lacking, that stat yeah. tells you, Dan. 221 passes between our two central midfielders and only one creative pass. You know, Danny Sabias is gained by numbers for West Ham. 124 touches, 101 passes, 90 pass accuracies, 11 final third entries. But he did have good numbers. Nine duels won, eight coverage, three clearances, three tackles made, three aerial duel ones, two blocks, one assist. Uh, so he did have a reasonable game. But I just think, look, we saw what, what, what we're lacking. Uh, and I, I do think we need someone next to, to him to sort of create. Uh, and I think that... Um, uh, you know, I, uh, I think that was it, uh, relevant in that game that our two central midfielders in the first half were moving the ball too slowly because the passing lanes were blocked off. There was no one-touch, two-touch pass and move. Like Fulham, we moved the ball quickly through the lanes because there was sort of lines to pass the ball through. West Ham squeezed us and closed the, the lines. And so it needed the ball. We needed to do something different. And that's why we needed, I think, to go longer. I was impressed with Gabriel. There was a, West Ham would claim they should have had a penalty when it hit him on the arm. I don't know what you boys think about that. And we probably were lucky. We got the marginal offside decision, didn't we, with Lacker's goal. That could have been given offside, couldn't it? It was very tight. 
But I thought Gabriel again was outstanding in the game. And his numbers now for his first two games for Arsenal, Dan, are really impressive. 218 touches, 185 completed passes, 93.8 pass completion, eight clearances, six possession, one, two interception, two tackles and one goal. And just the final stats for me on this game, Arsenal have now won eight and lost none of their last 10 Premier League games at the Emirates. Arsenal have only now failed to score in three of their last 72 Premier League games at the Emirates, all against the opposition. Do you know who that opposition is? Go on. Man City. Uh, and Lacazette has now scored five in his last eight Premier League games for the Gunners. And as I said, the, the key thing I took out of that game, the stat of the day, I'm going to try and hit you every week with a stat of the day, Dan, and it's this. As I said, I'll just repeat it again because it's so important and why we need to get those transfers over the line we've been talking about. It emphasises our lack of creativity in the middle of the pitch. Jacka and Sabias completed 221 passes between them in the game and only created one key pass, and that was Sabias's pass to Eddie Nketiah in the last five minutes. And that tells you everything what we're lacking in our central midfield, Dan. That is an unbelievable stat and one I had no idea about. And that's why I love you, Graham, because you'd always shock me with a stat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable. Um, we've got to move on from that game and we are coming to an end. I just want to talk about one last thing for a couple of minutes each. And that is, I'm going to share my screen with the Leicester uh, team and talk about one player and one player only. And that is Pepe. Now, I thought last night we had a bit of a, 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 a kind of good game, really, as far as I was concerned. Personally, I was quite impressed with how we were playing. I don't think we give them much. James Madison had a real good effort that they did really well to get the shot away and hit the post. Apart from that, they didn't really do too much, Leicester. I think they'd kind of given up on this trophy. We played some youngsters, played really well. I thought El Nenny was class. I thought Saka was class. But for me, the one man that was frustrating as ever is this guy here. Nicola Pepe. Now, on the right-hand side, I find him to be so predictable because he'll come down this side and he'll cut in every single time. Never does he go on the outside and take the player on. So as a left-back, I'm thinking, I'm going to make my debut for Leicester in the young lad who played, and I'm going to be okay because all I need to do, to do is look at where he's going and he's always coming inside. Now, when he was playing against Chelsea, for me, I'm moving Ketia out of the way. For me, he was so dangerous around this area. When we went to Anfield last year, he was extremely dangerous around this area. And I would love to see Pepe come in more central to have the shots into these corners and to get involved in the two centre-halves around here. He's so silky to get inside and outside of the box. For me, when he's over here, he's kind of right-hand side looking to me as if to say, you know where I'm going. And it's going to be this way. Now, there's the argument that Messi does that. Robin does that. The difference is they've been doing it well and consistently well for 10, 15 years. Pepe, for me at the moment, is not quite working for him. Manny, I know that you were a massive fan when we got um, when we got him, uh, Pepe. And I just wanted to come to you on that point, because for me, I believe personally he's got bags of talent. But what is going wrong for Nicolas Pepe at Arsenal at the moment, Manny? Or is it not that bad? Find a system that suits this guy and watch him fire. You know, the talk that, you know, he always comes inside, he always comes inside. You've mentioned a few players that do that consistently. Robin did that always. Mares always did it. Being one-footed, you know, when you're playing on the wing, even if, you know, the opposition defender knows what you're going to do, you can't stop it because at some point they're going to get there. But in order for him to get there, you need to have a system that works for him. So when you go back to the Sheffield United game um, in the FA Cup, there was a reason why that was one of his best games, you know, after lockdown, because he had Maitland-Niles, who was willing to overlap him. And he, and, had, and he had Willock, who was willing to get up there, you know, play those one-twos with him to allow him to get into those positions in order to get the shots. But when you're playing a system where there's not that extra midfielder who's going to break in there, because we're, we're only playing with the two, with a Maitland-Niles who was sort of, you know, restricted coming, you know, to uh, to support Pepe, this is what happens. In order to get the best out of this guy, you need to play, you know, that kind of system where he's going to have people to feed off because he's need he needs that room because, like you say, he is very predictable. So in order to take away that predictability away from him, you put the pieces in place to make him more dangerous. Against Chelsea, Frank Lampard, first of all, is a terrible coach. I'll say that now. Frank Lampard is an overrated, terrible coach. What he failed to do, right, is he had free in midfield, but Rudiger was following Pepe wherever he was going. 
So that allowed Pepe to drift off. That allowed Pepe to do what he wanted to do. Chelsea played into our hands in that game, hence why Pepe was so effective. But in the long run, in order to get the best out of him, put the pieces there and see what happens. There's no need to worry about this kid, this guy. He will fire. Just give him time. Fair play, Manny. I don't think we can say fair on that. Graham, uh, quickly on Pepe before we wrap up. Yeah, I think Manny's virtually nailed it there. Um, I think Maitland-Niles played last night and I thought that Maitland-Niles and him at times last season had quite a good understanding. But Maitland-Niles wasn't really at it last night, whether he's been playing on the left. Uh, and coming over to the right, he, he he didn't understand the role he had to play. He, he didn't really offer anything to Pepe. I think Pepe has an over-reliance on his left foot. And he does slow the play down sometimes when coming inside, which makes him ineffective. Me and you, Dan, have talked about playing him central. But if he is the continuous role, he needs a creator. He does need a creator. And Manny has absolutely nailed it. That that performance against Sheffield United, for me, was because he had Joe Willock making runs between the fullback and the centre-half which opened up spaces for him to run into. And at the moment, he's just got people on him all the time and there's no space. So I think in this, this system doesn't work for him. We need to change the system to get more out of him. He needs a creator. He needs a creator to feed him in quicker, which Hassan Moir will be if we got him. Or we need a central midfielder, an attacking central midfielder, who, as I say, makes runs between the fullback and the centre-half to open up spaces for him. And I think he had that sort of combination going at, uh, in his former club a guy out wide or a guy from midfield to combine with. And at the moment, I think that's why we're not seeing the best of him, Dan. Yeah, and I think it's a great shout. I believe personally there's bags of talent there and I really want to see him deliver because everybody at the moment is talking about Pepe being a waste of money. Uh, boys, it's been an absolute pleasure. We have just a little about overrun, but I think we've covered everything. We have crammed a lot in. Uh, Manny, thank you so much, man, uh, for coming on again. Always a pleasure, bro. And back by popular demand, you're being loved on Twitter and on this podcast, man. So thanks for coming on, man. Well, that's a rarity, man. So I appreciate the love, man. Thank you for having me as always. No, he's, no worries. He's got his Dan. He's got a voice that soothes the listeners, isn't he? <laughs> he has, man. He has. <laughs> if he told, if he told bedtime stories, everyone would be literally like, "That's what you need for relaxation." I tell you that. You just need a money. <laughs> but no, I'm a big fan, and I much love, bro. Uh, and Graham, as always, mate. Thank you so much for your insight. I really appreciate this. I'm loving it, and it's been great. Another great show. Yeah, I th- I've really enjoyed it tonight, mate. Uh, we've we had six thousand eight hundred on the first show. Well over five thousand last week. Um, and I hope we get good numbers this week. I think what we're putting out is really good content, and I think uh, hats off to you, mate, because I think you've taken to this hosting role really well, and you are running this with real distinction, mate. I'm really enjoying working with you and having Manny on on, on as well has made it even better. So it's, it's it's a good show. I think we've got something good here, Dan, and we do want to grow it during the season. We will add to it, uh, and but it started really well, mate. I'm really pleased and a privilege to be on as always. Well, listen, I'm, I'm I'm doing my best and you are good at what you do, man. You are absolutely great at what you do in terms of the way that you look at football. We're trying to bring technology in and I hope the viewers are enjoying it. Thank you so much, everybody, for watching in the live chat. Big up to Mark Partridge, who just said something very important. It would be amazing if you guys would hit the like button and support the lads. Please, if you do like what we do, then please hit the like button, subscribe to us. Send us feedback. Me and Graham always listen to comments on YouTube and Twitter. If you want something to added or taken away, then we will not be offended. We will try and do what we can to put out the content that you will want to, to tune into. So thank you all so much for watching. On Tuesday night, we'll be back. Same old Arsenal um, after the Monday night's game. Uh, hopefully we'll get a good result up at Anfield and we can talk about it on Tuesday with me and the guys. So please join us then. Until then, up the Arsenal. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.